Hello and welcome to Stock Talk, a podcast series which brings together livestock specialists, vets and farmers to give you the tools you need to improve your business and embrace the future. Stock Talk is presented by myself, Robert Ramsey, and produced by Kirsten Blackwood as part of the Farm Advisory Service in association with the Scottish Government. So today's episode focuses on a pre-tupping management for sheep. Um, obviously, we're at the start of the sheep season, tup's about to go out, um, and I'm joined today by Megan Ferguson, who's one of our veterinary investigation officers in the SRUC Vet Hub in Air. So hello to you, Megan. How are things with you? Hello, Robert. Thanks for having me on. No, pleasure. That's good. Um, how's, how are things going in the in the vet world at the moment? Yeah, this this is a really good time to be having this conversation. Um, we have a lot of conversations around scanning time with farmers and vets who are a bit disappointed in their scans. Um, and a lot of the investigations that we advise have to be done now rather than at the time of scanning when the, when the horse is bolted. So this is a really good time um, to be having these conversations. Um, as well as being a vet in the vet hub, I'm, I also live on a sheep farm, so we're having these conversations at home as well. Um, so yeah, it's a really good time to have a chat about it. Yeah, brilliant. And it, I think it comes back to, so we've had Tim Geraghty on here a few times and, and Tim's view certainly is about, as a vet, he and, and, and I think all of you guys view themselves as the proactive animal health people rather than the reactive ones. And, and it's it's having these conversations just now with, you know, we'll have a conversation today and certainly having everyone having a conversation with their vet, pre-tupping, pre-bulling, whatever it is, having that proactive discussion maybe takes 20 minutes or half an hour to have the conversation can save you an awful lot of time and and make you an awful lot of money down the line so uh, i'm really certainly really pleased to be both here as a consultant and and as a farmer i'm hoping we can uh, glean a bit of information out of this too so so what's the i suppose for you megan what's the the frustration so when it comes to the post scanning investigations what's the kind of common things that come up and what what should we be looking at obviously this is very general but your average sheep farmer what should we be focusing on at the moment yeah so around scanning times like i say we get a lot of phone calls about um, disappointing scans so you know higher number of bad and using as ideal and and we often get asked at that point what what should i be investigating are they lacking something you know are they needing something why are they not in lab and at that point um you know we can do Things that spring to mind are, you know, trace element testing, um, think about infectious diseases, think about condition. But but at scanning time, they're often going to be very different to what they were at the crucial point, which is at tupping time. So it's now we need to be thinking about these things. We need to think about the, the things that are going to slip us up, the things that are going to result in that you not getting in lamb um, and, and sort of act on them now and make sure that everything is in place um, so you can get to scanning time and you can see, well, you know, we did check X, Y, Z and they were all fine at tupping time. So we've got peace of mind um, that um, there's no, you know, they're not reasons for these years being barren. So Megan, it seemed at, at our end, at the, uh, you know, talking to farmers end in the spring, there seemed to be a bit more talk so or a bit more abortion kicking about this year than there had been in previous years. And, and certainly a number of flocks I've been dealing with where there is now an abortion issue where there hasn't been before. So there's a lot of people now talking about vaccine, uh, vaccination for Toxo and or Enzo and uh, you know, having that conversation. So could we run through maybe what your thoughts are on abortion vaccines and, and how do we manage flocks to have you know 
reduce the risk and and obviously optimize the number of lamb you know viable lambs born in the spring so certainly from what we got through the vet lab this spring um toxo was the most common cause of abortion um, closely followed by endoscopic abortion or enzo they usually are the top two um but toxo was quite significantly higher this year so toxo can cause abortion in use but but it also causes high, higher barren rates than, than ideal. Um, so if you've had higher barren rates in previous years, it would be a good idea for you to know your toxo status of your flock. Um, why do we want to talk about that at this time of year? Um, well, it's because there are really effective vaccines against toxo and enzo, but they need to be given before use go to the top. Um, so that's why we need to talk about it in the summer. Um, get these vaccines ordered, speak to your vet, get them ordered in and, and get them into your stock if you need them. So how do you know if you need to vaccinate or not? Um, well, you can sample abortion material at lambing time. Uh, and, you know, if you get a diagnosis of um, endoscopic abortion or toxo, um, then it would be a good idea to have a chat to your vet and, and put that into your health plan that you're going to vaccinate for it. But of course, lambing time is a long time ago now and uh, you might not have had any material available to, to submit to to to, you know, to look at to see why the abortion had caused or, or you might not have had a great amount of abortions and it might just be empty use that you're bothered with. Um, so you can actually blood sample to assess for exposure to, to toxo and enzo. Um, and like I say, toxo is the one that would have a higher rate of barren use associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do some blood samples any time of year and that will assess for um, exposure um, to it. So if your user positive, then that means they've either been exposed or vaccinated. But if they're homebred use that you're um, sampling and you know they've not been vaccinated, then it, it means they've been exposed. And that tells you it's in your flock. It could be causing barren use. It could be causing abortions at lambing time. It could be causing these live lambs to be born with a little mummified twin. They're the main the main ways that Toxo um, sort of shows itself. So, you know, once you're vaccinated and, and you know your animals have been exposed, then it would be a really good idea to speak to your vet whether vaccine would be appropriate or not and and. Usually, if they've been exposed and they're not vaccinated, then then it would be a good idea to go in with it. It's also a good idea this time of year. There's a lot of sheep moving about the country, um, been taken off and brought onto farms. Um, but it, it's useful to know the status of any stock that you're buying in, particularly breeding stock. Um, so, if possible, speak to who you're buying them from, um, find out what their toxo and enzo status is. Do they vaccinate their ewes? Um, if it's you lambs you're buying in, the chances are they won't be vaccinated. But if if they are vaccinating, then the chances are that they have had exposure in the past. So it'd be a good idea for you to, to vaccinate them as well if you're bringing them into your flock. What you don't want is for them to bring something into your um, stock that are already on the farm. And you don't want the stock that are already on the farm to be given anything to them. Um, so you want anything coming in to have the same health status as um, your original stock. And, and the easiest way to do that is just to, to vaccinate and keep everyone vaccinated. If you do your blood samples and, and they're negative for antibodies, then that's great. It means that, um, you know, Toxo shouldn't be causing a problem in your flock at the moment. Um, but it does mean that they are very vulnerable um, and would be naive to any infection. So, you know, if Toxo did appear in your flock, um, then it could go, go right through them if they've got no protection. Um, so, again, um, if they're negative, then that would be an indication to get vaccine in them as well. Um so yeah, just have a think about whether a vaccine would be something that you could use in your flock. Um, and like I say, speak to your vet, do some blood samples 
and, and whether a positive or negative, there's definitely a conversation to be had there of whether um, abortion vaccines would be useful to you. And, and they are very effective vaccines. So, so really good to think about using. So there's a question, quite a common question about just now with, with again, people who are, who are starting to vaccinate, and I would include me in this one as well, is what do you vaccinate? So if you've got, say you've got a, a flock of 500 ewes and you've got, you know, 100 ewe lambs coming into that, that flock in the year, I suppose we've got the option, we don't vaccinate any and take take the risk, which is if we've had an issue, it's an, obviously an, an pretty high risk that there's going to be an issue again in the future we then have the option to just vaccinate the ewe lambs or you vaccinate the whole lot and the, the problem is the cost of, or, the, or the initial problem is the cost of the vaccine it's a it's not a cheap thing to do but what what's your thoughts on see if we've if we had a big issue last year use have antibodies are they suitably inoculated or do we want to be vaccinating the whole flock I think the, the problem is there is that you cannot guarantee that they've all been exposed. Um, so you're leaving yourself open to, to problems and, and the advice would be to vaccinate everything. Uh, yes, it is a, a costly vaccine in terms of the cost of the vaccine and labour. Um, but what you have to remember is that the vaccine, it only needs to be done once. So yeah. if you do your whole flock in the first year, then after that, you're only doing in your replacements that are coming in. So although it's a big outlay in the first year, it's much less year on year. And if you keep it up, then you know, you've know you got that much smaller cost year on year. And, and when you think about it, the cost of barren use, the cost of abortions at Lamentine are much bigger than, than the cost of, of using this vaccine. So yeah. um, yes, you can manage risk within your own flock, but I don't think you can guarantee that everything's been exposed. Therefore, to give yourself peace of mind, it would be better to go on with, with vaccination. Sound advice. And again, that's led by that conversation with your own vet as well, isn't it? It's having that that discussion. Yeah. I think, again, putting it in context, if you were to go and I think Enzo and Toxo together, or Enzo and Toxo, you know, vaccinating for both would probably be somewhere about £9 a head. If you vaccinate 100, 100 ewes, it's going to cost you 900 quid. And fat lambs at the moment are over £100. You don't actually when we look at it in context it's a lot of money it's a big check to write but actually you only need to save nine lambs per hundred used to make it pay um exactly and and if you think back to last lambing season if you were one of these many farmers we spoke to who were pulling out live lambs with a little mummified twin alongside it there's a good chance that was toxo and if all those little mummified twins were live lambs um then yeah, it's going to pay for itself very, very quickly. And and from a from a frustration point of view at lambing time as well, you know, it's nice just to get a good set of lambs out of you. That's what she should be giving you. So you need to give her every chance to do that for yeah. you. And there's a lot there's a lot in that. So my my own lambing at home, um we had toxo in hogs and it was a you know, it was a actually a thing the rest of the lambing went really well and the hogs actually in in, in the end it was it wasn't a disaster. They weren't a great bunch of sheep to go and you know they weren't something you would go and you were looking forward to seeing in the morning because there was you know there was multiple issues and multiple problems and and it just took the sign off the whole the whole job and I think if if it was a it really opened my eyes to what would happen if it was a a proper toxo storm through the whole flock you know it wouldn't be a nice place to be regardless of the economics it wouldn't be a nice 
Ian Lamming's supposed to be, you know, when it's going well, it's the best job in the world, but when it's going badly, it's among the worst. So, um, yes, it's it's very it's a very hard stint when it's going wrong. Yeah. Um, and something to remember as well is there there were some difficulties with um, getting vaccine last year. So, if anyone has a group that didn't get vaccinated last year and thinks they got away with it, then um, the advice would be to definitely you know make sure you do them this year because you will see problems down the line with that group. Um, you know, it might not become apparent in the year after or so, but definitely get get them up to date. Yeah, and it's one of it's one of those vaccines as well. It's not like you know, it's a live vaccine where you, as you say, you do it once and it's done. You do what you'll get into the system where you do your your lambs on the way into the flock. So simple. We don't need a booster. We don't need to go back to. It. It's a one-off, simple job. Whereas many of the other vaccines we deal with are an annual booster, and did we do that? Did we, you know? Did you? It's you know, it's a, a nice clear-cut job. Um, yeah, many of them need a, a primary course, whereas this is genuinely just one vaccine. Yeah, um, it does have quite a short shelf life, so you need to have a good conversation with your vet if you're planning to do it, because they need to make sure they have it ordered in for you, and then quickly once you've got it um, so it doesn't last too long in the fridge so yeah you need to make sure you have that conversation where you warn them um, that you're going to want it and just plan exactly when you want to do it I think it's it's four days isn't it something like that yeah no more than that so um, so I suppose the other bit of the question is when do we do this vaccinating obviously right in the face of tupping isn't a good idea either so how how close to tupping can we get away with or how much of a window do we want pre-tupping to give them this vaccine so ideally you want to enter them six weeks before tupping um so you really need to be thinking about it you know mid- midsummer to now um yeah yeah well, as well so toxo seems to have been the issue toxoplasmosis but enzootic abortion also we can vaccinate against it it's a cheaper vaccine. Would you be in the camp where if even if you hadn't had a an issue with it, you would just go with that at the same time as well? Um, I think that's a conversation you have to have with your vet based on your own flock. Every flock will be different. Um and it's all about managing risks. So, you know, if you're a completely closed flock with no uh, crossover with any other stock, then then fine, it might be a you know, a, a managed risk decision to, to not vaccinate but if you are buying any stock in um, then it probably would be advisable just to, to vaccinate um, these vaccines are very effective um, and um, if we get cases of abortion due to toxo or enzo from vaccinated folks in then we do you know take that further we investigate you know why is the vaccine not worked um, and, and it's pretty unusual to have that scenario so um, yeah no, it would definitely be a, a conversation you have with your vet um, you know, could could you not vaccinate? Um, but that would be a be a risk, and um, you would have to manage that really effectively to make sure you got away with it. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And the other vaccine that a lot of folk are talking about now is a foot vax. So there's a lot of flocks vaccinated with foot vax. Um, obviously, when that those ewe lambs are coming into the flock, we want to get them on that system as well. How how far off? You know, or so when we're vaccinating for for foot vax, you want to do it at the time of highest risk. I think is the way they word it. No, I, I, I'm quite sure I'm right here. We don't want to be doing endotoxo and foot vax on the same day. 
I wouldn't be, um, they won't be licensed. So Enzone Toxo are licensed to be given together. You can give them on the same day. Um, but I wouldn't be giving any other vaccines that day as well. And would you leave it a couple of weeks or something? Is that the best practice? Yeah, I mean, that, that again would be a conversation you have with your vet. When would be best to fit it in with regards to, you know, you have to you have to manage the the risks and benefits of you know handling lots of groups repeatedly and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, you know, I would just have a conversation with your vet based on your flock when would be best to fit it in the calendar. Um, but Enzo and Toxo can be given together, um, and I yeah would do fit backs another day as well. Yeah, yeah, if, if required. Um, so again, with that's a, a whistle stop tour through uh, abortion vaccines, and and hopefully that's of some use. But the the main point there is to have that have that conversation. The probably a conversation we have more or we hear a lot more about is the kind of trace element story, and certainly that's where there's more lay advice comes into it as well. So it's not just veterinary advice that comes into the trace element story. So what if we've got a blank canvas just now and we forget about all past performance or we don't know anything about the flock? How do we have a robust trace element? process like how do we how do we come up with a robust trace element plan or find out even if we need to uh, add any different trace elements into the into the mix what where's the starting point yeah so so trace elements are a, a great one to look into they can have a massive effect on fertility if they are not just sitting at the right level um and, and this is exactly the, the example i was talking about so come scanning time and, and we're wondering, you know, as our trace elements to play, we will often blood sample use at that time and they're all normal. But that's not to say they were normal at top in time and that's when they count. So now's the time to do them. Um, so it's not always deficiencies that have um, negative effects on fertility. You can have toxicities as well. So we wouldn't be advising, you know, supplementing anything without knowing uh, what your baseline is. Um, so the advice would be to to just do some blood samples. Um, all you need is maybe like half a dozen. You want completely average years. You don't want the skinny ones. You don't want the fat ones. You want you know completely average. Um, you just pick them out and and just take some blood samples. Um, it really wouldn't take your bet long to to do that. Um, and the main trace elements that we would look at are um, copper and selenium, um, and use. Cobalt often comes up in conversations a lot um, with growing lambs, but in ewes it tends not to be really a big issue. Um, so copper, um, a lot of people will be wary of copper, um, and that's one to make sure that they're not getting too much of because you can you can you can kill sheep by giving them too much copper fairly easily. Um, so yeah, definitely one to check out. Um, Copper deficiency, true copper deficiency is pretty rare. It's more often that it's been locked up by other um, trace elements that are, you know, in the grass. Um, so that will be very farm dependent, um, depending on what, what type of grazing you've got. Um, so that's that's copper. Um, selenium uh, has a big um, impact on uh, fertility. So we test that through blood sample as well. What you'd want to do though is you want to do this testing in plenty of time so that if supplementation is required, you've got time to get it into them. So you know you need time to get the blood samples taken, get them to the lab, get the results, and then consider what sort of supplementation is needed, be it boluses or drenches or nothing. 
um, and you need time to have that into them, you know, a good few weeks before the tubs go out um, because you want them to be just uh, at the right mark at that point. Another one that often comes into play um, or is mentioned is iodine. Um, so we can we can test for iodine as well. It more comes into play late pregnancy. So if you've got low iodine, you'll have higher rates of like stillborn lambs or weak lambs, that sort of thing. Um, but it's still really useful to know where it is now. And then often um, some people will retest near a time as well, just to check that it's okay. It's a thing we are seeing a lot at the moment is there's a, an awful lot of soil sampling on the go, which is a, a great step forward. You know, it's a great... A, it's, it's huge progress for farm businesses, but some of these soil samples are going into great depth, you know, huge depth when it comes to trace elements and, and minerals available in the soil. My, my view on that certainly is doesn't really, of course it matters what's in the soil, but for tupping, for management of sheep, it matters what's in the sheep. You know, what's, what's in the soil and the dynamics of what's happening in the soil are hugely complicated. But actually, if we can do a blood sample and find out what the the key trace element story is in the sheep, we can then deal with that directly to the sheep and know that it's it's done appropriately. Do you see? So we quite often hear of you know people from and, and as an industry, it's great that we talk to each other and we do share information. We do often have networks that are much greater than just your local area so you're talking to people in you know hundreds of miles away and getting advice on boluses and and drenches for pre-tupping do you see it where we have things that work really well in some areas and actually cause where there's a huge deficiency in something and actually the toxicity story or the the you know, where actually a bolus or a drench is, is counterproductive rather than, than a benefit? Definitely, that's why it's so farm-specific. And the, the the ground, actually, the soil does actually come to play quite a lot because that's where a lot of them are derived and, and get into the sheep. So it's a very farm-specific thing. You need to know um, what your ground is doing, therefore what your stock is doing. Um, and yes, what works for one person won't work for someone else. So, you know, just because someone else who bought the same sheep from some, you know, from the same source has, has bowling with this doesn't mean to say that you have because they're not grazing the same ground. Um, and it also would be fairly important to have them grazing the ground that they're going to be grazing at Tuppen um, within, within, you know, reason um, before you do your blood samples because um, that's, you know, that's the nutrition they're on and, and that's what, what we're looking at. Um, so yeah, just because one person, you know, bolus or sheep with this doesn't mean to say it's right for you, and you should have that conversation with your vet as to whether it's required or not. Um, these bolus aren't cheap either, so you don't want to be wasting money and time, um, you know, putting them down their throats if they're if they're not required. Yeah, certainly bolus and those big fat cross use pre tupping. It's one of those jobs. If you don't, you know, I think if you didn't need to do it, there would be shepherds and staff all over the place. It would be over the moon because it's not that that pleasant a job. However, it, not have to do yeah, it, yeah. it generally does. You know, it, often we hear of you know people who start bolusing and it's a, a proper game changer. So certainly ask the ask your vet and ask your sheep the question. Um, and, yes. and see where we're at. So there, there is, a, I suppose, an increasing problem we're getting. I don't know whether it's the climate's changed or what, what's happening, but we're seeing, 
more grass into the into the autumn and we're also seeing people moving towards some people moving towards more maternal use as well so the result of that seems to be there's a lot of much bigger scans out there and certainly there's an increasing number of scans that start with a two rather than a one so what do we do in the position where we've got a too many lambs so we're getting too many triplets and quads is there much we can do at this time of year in this you know this given year to reduce that or to to, to kind of optimize that or is it more of a long-term genetic discussion we need to have for that one i would say it's a bit of both um so we're always talking about a, a rising plane of nutrition at a tough time and you know make sure their condition scores are right uh, depending on the breeds, you count, you want them anywhere between two and a half to three and a half body condition score out of five at, at topping time. Um, the lower end being your your hill breeds, um, and and the higher ends being more lowland breeds. Um, but certainly condition has a big driver for um litter size, and um, you want to have a, a conversation with your nutritionist or vet of you know are your condition scores contributing to that? Um, certainly genetics has a big big play as well but what you don't want is um high scanning um to make up for barren use you know you'd rather every you just give you you know one or two lambs whatever you're expecting from it than have you know use having far too many lambs that you're then having to put labor into at lamb in time to feed and suckle and then have you know have some empty you want you want to have um you know your ideal is as as few barren use as possible and the rest you know them all just having the ideal litter size so um body condition does have a big driver to that so have a think in previous years you know what condition were you at talking time were you happy with the litter sizes did you get too many lambs because it's really labor intensive a lamb on time having to go around and feed them all um and and i know because i do it <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah this it's it's a, there's a fine line in there somewhere and and it's very dependent on you know, your farm and the use you've got. Um, you don't want to do any changes drastically. I think that would be a, a big thing to point out is any changes you make to condition down to them have to be done gradually um, if you're looking to change litter size. Um, yeah. yeah. And and do you think, just as a side note, do you think your husband husband's passion for blue leaster yows, do you think that's maybe the part of the the need for someone feeding lots of lambs at lambing time is that you know the biggest driver for it definitely definitely could be in there and also the fact that he has someone who'll just feed them uh, for him so it doesn't actually affect him too much so yeah definitely genetics in there somewhere yeah and i suppose we can't you know if our job is to put more lambs into a blackie you know if it's a for that crossing job we do need a prolific you to do it so it's a it's a necessary evil i suppose but that probably brings us kind of neatly on to totally by accident but neatly on to tup time you know so so the tups are obviously half of the flock so we've talked about um vaccines and management condition a uh, and minerals for a uh, use but where are we at with tups at this stage so probably you know we're not that far off tups going out the door so what should we be focusing on on a on a tup scenario yeah tups are often forgotten about we put a lot of focus into to use and condition um trace elements etc but yeah and tups are often just chucked out and you know we've got 
this time of year to do their job and um, you need to make sure that they are in tip-top condition to, to do their job properly. Um, so obviously condition comes into to in a big way. You, you want them to be you know fit enough to go and work, but you don't want them to be too fat that they, they won't work. So um, And if you're feeding them as well, you want to just watch your trace elements that you're not you know giving them too much. Copper would be the big one I'd think about. Um, so just yeah, watch that way with your tips, condition and, and feeding. Um, speak to your vet and get them to do a top MOT. You know, it's it's not a big job just to quickly make sure that they are fit and working and um, they're you know fertile. That that's the main thing you want. You don't you don't want to be uh, end up having a really prolonged lamin because um, you had an infertile or a subfertile top go out to your use. Um, the other thing we often get asked about um, or sort of noted um, is some folks will have a, a higher percentage of um, like gimmers that are barren um, and often it, it comes down to it can be conditioned but we often question whether tuck power has been enough for them. Um, so if, if you notice a pattern on your farm where you're getting a specific group that maybe in their second year lamin are, are, have a higher barren rate then pay them a little bit of special attention, you know, get them into a, a good field, maybe give them a bit more top power um, just to see if that, that helps the situation there. And they, they'll be the group as well that maybe your teaser comes into its own as well. Mm -hmm. Get things going earlier and um, keep things moving. It's interesting. Yeah, these are all things all things that, um, you know, in the, in the toolbox that can be used. Um, Going back to trace elements, if if they're low in selenium, they will um, be slower to come into heat um, and have really erratic seasons. Um, so that might prolong your your lambing period as well. So you know if you if you thought that last year, although you know they weren't that quick to come into heat, then um, you know definitely be doing some testing. Um, and as well, don't expect too much of them. I think we we are always pushing to get you know things in lambing earlier to get you know really compact lambing seasons, but you have to. You know, just manage expectations a wee bit, um, and you know, if you're if you've got a, a more hill breed that you're trying to breed a wee bit out of season, then you know you're not going to get as good results if if you wait till a wee bit later until they're actually in their breeding season. Yeah, I was reading a ram catalogue the other day, and they were promoting that you know, will uh, is the shieling tops that will top 140 use, and I think it's amazing. You know, that's a, a real stock getting top, but the question would be, am I happy to to gamble enough you know if anything goes wrong that's 140 ewes that there's an issue with that are either late or empty or you know for me you know the fact that the, the top can technically do it i think i'd be giving them a bit of company just to make sure that those ewes are covered in the correct time yeah just just because you can do doesn't mean you should and i don't i don't know how you'd have any guarantee or proof that that, that was possible mm -hmm. um, yeah we're also in so this is probably a you know, we've trodden this path before but the obviously top sales are about to kick off and there we do have a tradition a heritage of producing outstanding pedigree tops that are very well fed so what about that transition you know we've, we've talked about our own managing our own tops but what about the that we're bringing home a and i know we've this drum does get beaten back and forward, but how do we manage the transition from pre-sale diet to 
tup that tup that's fit to go and do his work. How do how do we manage that to best effect? Yeah, that's a really tough one because um, tup sales are are really quite late for getting all this sorted out and you know getting your tup home, getting them checked um, to get them out. You know, often they'll come home straight off the trailer and be out to use and just have to go and do their job. Um, and you, yeah, you have to think about how well fed they've been before they come to you, and then you know all of a sudden you're expecting them to to go and run marathons around the field. So I think selecting your tub really carefully so it's coming from a source that, that hopefully hasn't been too overfed would be um, definitely something to think about. Um, think about have they been um, housed and then you've turned them out, so um, they might need a bit of acclimatisation to to grass, right? You know they might not have been in grass. For a while um so i would try and pick something that, that has been sort of definitely grass-fed and, and not overfed yeah it's it's really difficult you know we have a we have a problem here as an industry because i know if i'm at a top sale your eyes are always drawn to the biggest fittest place you know the powerful well-fed top and it's really you know it's a difficult one to change everyone's mindset, you know, we, we often blame the breeders, and the the breeders only follow what the market wants, you know, or certainly yeah. for for commercial yeah. tips, they follow what the market wants, and those if you go to Kelso, anything that's slightly underfed, slightly less fed, will be less money, you know, and it's maybe less clear cut yeah. as it is in bulls, but there's certainly a a big story here that. If we know we've got an issue, we we all need to change our ways a bit here and um Yes. Yeah. And and it's a balance. It's we need we need them well turned out, we need them well grown to go and do their job. So there is a balance between a uh, overfeeding and, and underfeeding or, or or not getting them just right for for tupping. But certainly it's interesting. I think getting them on farm as quick as possible regardless of species you know bull or bull or tup the quicker you can get him home and into your system the longer he's got before you actually need him um need him to yeah to use him and while while tup sales do have their place will always have their place you know i enjoy going to them as much as anyone else sourcing them direct from farms not a bad idea either you know buying a tup that's fit to work direct from farm um and as always the gold standard would be to to not learn to try and breed your own, but obviously that's not possible for everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's it's interesting, and it's a political hand grenade. You know, we think hopefully we did okay there without offending anyone, but it's um, yeah, it's a challenge and it's changing. But certainly, the the top power story is interesting, and and you know, making sure we've got enough tops on farm to cover fully cover the sheep we've got also probably presents an opportunity for that transition as. Do you buy him and then give him, you know, don't go daft in his first year either? Is, you know, mm-hmm. does he really need 140 ewes in his first year or could he, could he maybe get 40 to start with um, and, and kind of grow into the job or a bit of company to start with? Um, anyway, yeah. we, we'll, we, could, we could discuss that one at length. I'm sure we will down the line. So, um, yeah, so I suppose summary-wise, the, the main thing today is to, to be as proactive as we can be and, and discuss. I think, you know, getting the vet on the phone or, or better still getting the vet on the farm, almost have a cup of tea at the moment, have that 
big conversation about what we're trying to achieve. Um, so we've certainly covered quite a lot of ground today, Megan. Um, could you do a quick summary of what you know key points that you would, if you had an average farmer in front of you, what are the main things they should go at in the next few weeks to ensure a better topping performance than they had last year? Yeah, so I think just cast your mind forward to scanning time and think, right, you're standing there, you've done your scan, you're a bit disappointed, there's too many use empty. At that point, what do you wish you'd done now? So know your um, toxo status would be a biggie. Um, if you're unsure, get some blood samples done and if appropriate, get some vaccine into them. Trace element test now so that you know when they go to the tubs, they are all okay. Think about conditions going in your use. Um, it's even just useful for you to know what they wear at top and time so that next year um, you can either do the same or adjust them and just make sure your tops are good to go when you've got enough top power for them. Um, I think they would be all the things we'd be talking about if you phone me up at scanning time and say I've got too many empty use. Um, they're the things we'd talk about, but we can't do anything about them then, but we can now. So have a chat with your vet and just get these things sorted before tops go out yeah and if we if we get that right get nutrition right through the winter the bit in the spring that we all talk about the, the lambing end of things should be a lot a lot more enjoyable and a lot more profitable as well so um yeah brilliant megan thank you very much for your time uh, i know you've got a lot on uh, and we certainly appreciate having that chat and hopefully the people listening to this have got, got an awful lot out of it so thanks a lot for your time yeah thanks for having us thank you if you enjoyed listening to Stock Talk you may enjoy some of our other podcasts such as Crofting Matters which is a 12 pack monthly show that discusses all things crofting in Scotland including livestock management you may also enjoy our new podcast Agriculture which tells the stories of some interesting and influential people in the agricultural industry just search Crofting Matters or Agriculture wherever you get your podcasts from. The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.